0: Outside the box of religious obligation lies a road less traveled into the heart of the Father's affection, slinging freedom all over the place. This is The God God Channel. Hey, in all seriousness, and with great, uh, a bit of malice, I was called a heretic last week.
1: A heretic? Really?
0: Oh, in a meeting you were having in a home, yeah, and this guy comes full on primarily because of our conversation about trauma and sin and that we're redefining sin for the church and we don't get to do that. And heresy matters. And you're an arrogant person to even think you can talk about <laughs> just, and this guy wouldn't let go. I can't would I'd Whoa. let him talk out. And then I would say, okay, let me respond. I give about three words in he'd interrupt. I'd play. I advise it. Can I please respond to what you're saying? And he was quoting me from some book. He'd read a, a that I'd written. And I, I didn't recognize a quote. I said, can you know what book that's from? And he couldn't remember. Well, after the meeting, I asked him, I said, what book were you, what book of mine have you read? He said, well, I haven't read any of them. <laughs> so well, he's just making, making up the quote. He said, well, I listen to the podcast and are, are you guys redefining sin? I said, I don't know for redefining sin. We're talking about how God views sin. It's not changing the definition, but boy, he just, he was a Rottweiler on a bone. He wasn't going to let go. And, it it took up more time than I, I was comfortable with in a meeting like that. Cause you could tell the room was mm-hmm. pretty tense and you had so many people tell me afterwards. I'm so glad that happened. I just, I loved how you dealt with that. I loved the compassion mm-hmm. and the kindness. And yet you were really encouraging him to let go of something that he couldn't seem to let go of.
1: Yeah. Sometimes the bursting of our, comfort bubbles tends to be a little more violent than we might like it to be.
0: Yeah. And some people, particularly when they're protecting their little bubbles, it's it's a pretty fragile thing, right? So if somebody's yeah. trying to get near your bubble. You want to fend them off. I mean, he had the sword out and everything. Give me the old hand chop, you know, Ooh. He, you are a heretic and heretics, you know, heresy matters. And i say, man, we're a long, you didn't even ask me a question. You didn't even open up with, do, do you believe this? Because I'm this is what I'm hearing from you. You came right out dominating a meeting that you were not in charge of, and (laughs) definitely came with an agenda. And even when somebody's talking to you, you couldn't hear the result of it. And it was was sad for him. I understand he's been through some stuff in his life recently that's created some pain, and my heart goes out to him, but And it was, it was, it was a difficult night. That's actually the night poor Zoe's stomach flopped, uh, her stomach flipped somehow. We noticed after the meeting, Sarah, that she wasn't acting normal, but she was kind of throwing up a little bit. And we thought maybe she has got an upset stomach. We took her home and next morning it was obvious she was in significant pain. So we took her to an Mm -hmm. emergency vet and found out she could have died within a couple of hours of that happening. That's pretty serious. Oh, wow. We had never heard of it before. But somehow she got through that. We got her there. They did emergency surgery, assuring us uh, or not unable to assure us that we would be able to bring our dog home. Uh, mm. But everything went textbook in the surgery, and they rotated her stomach back where it belonged, pulled out her spleen because that was part of the problem somehow.
1: And oh, then interesting. They,
0: then they tacked her stomach to her to her side of her abdomen, so it won't flip again. Mm-hmm and it was weird cuz we go they had a window where you could actually go over there this this is the best hospital it's the same hospital group that we saw in denver with abby where they told okay. us she probably wouldn't last more than a few more days or a week and abby's still with us abby's doing better than she's done <laughs> in a long time and she's she's not walking 3 miles a day which i think makes her happy and she's she's doing great and now we got the other dog been an emergency hospital and the same group, VEG vet emergency group or something. And they've got places all over the, the States. I'm mm. telling you what the doctors you walk, you walk, you don't wait out front to fill out forms. You go right in the doctor gets on the floor with you and your dog and they just talk about what's going on and what they can do. And while they're doing that, they're getting the information to fill in. Uh, we have loved both of our experiences in those two hospitals. Mm-hmm. They have cared for our dogs really well and been very compassionate. And now we've got two dogs mending on the way home. So I'm not sure <laughs> if we're going to RV again. This is getting very costly. <laughs> With the dogs, oh,
1: anyway. Yeah. Do you carry health insurance on your dogs? We do. Sarah's got the foresight for that.
0: So I'm not much for insurances and war extended warranties. And I'll just, somebody's taking my money, but uh zoe's certainly made up for hers yeah zoe probably abby has too but we kind of got the dogs that uh, have some needs now and then but we're we're back we're we're in uh somewhere near san marcos texas in the southern part between austin and san antonio we're going to be here a week just because there was lots of people that wanted us to hang out in various ways so we've been doing that and we may extend it a little bit but it's from here that we're headed home either south through the south uh, 10 all the way home that way or mm-hmm. if we're in a hurry or back up through abilene and lubbock and get to the 40 and then come back on the 40. We'll okay
1: see. so how would you define or how would you characterize this trip in comparison to the last rv trip that you and sarah did how would you characterize this one
0: not as pretty we were chasing <laughs> fall last year it was awesome <laughs> This is uh Texas and Missouri and uh, no, no no complaints. You guys have got great states, but you know what? The the scenic beauty is not what it was. Fair uh, enough. it's not as tense with what Sarah's going through. So there's yeah. some we've had some of that. Um we've probably had more time to meet with people we don't know well. So hmm. those have gone some well and some like Friday night was a little awkward for a lot of reasons and then Saturday night Get with a group of about five, six couples, never met any of them before, never even extensively dialogued on the internet with any of them, and mm. had one of the best evenings of this trip. Just their hunger, really? openness. Oh my gosh. This these are the kind of people they're probably in their most of them mid-40s, mid to some maybe approaching 50. But man, they just their hunger, their desire to learn and discover mm. and ask questions and grow man, it was, it was a textbook meeting and and we'd just been in the hospital all day and got out there late. Oh. And yeah, it was, it was, and they were saying, you know, if we could put this off and I'm going, you know what, let's just get it done. We've got it scheduled. And yeah, it was as good as Friday night was problematic. Hmm. And uh, I think God did good <laughs> things in both of them. So I'm not saying that yeah. God always likes easy, but these are the kind of people on Saturday night I love to be with. They're just hungry and mm-hmm. open and you know, they're not buying, it's not like I'm the guru coming in, they're believing everything I'm saying, but they're, they're having the honest discussion of struggling with their own faith and view of the church and how mm. God works in them. And so that was beautiful. And we're going to see some of those people later this week who want to extend that conversation a little bit more. Mm. We're excited about that. One one of the people makes cinnamon rolls in a bakery thing they do, and another one Ooh. of the couple makes ice cream. And so these are people you'd like to know for other reasons than just their resilient faith in Jesus. But
1: yeah, that's definitely a great community to be connected to.
0: <laughs> it is. In fact, I'm going to get a flavor of ice cream crafted just for me. So,
1: Ooh. that's going to is it going to is it going to
0: involve chocolate cake? Uh, I don't know about cake. It will involve all kinds of chocolate because what they had <laughs> they brought an apple fritter kind of ice cream, and I was like, "What? Well, nobody eats that crap." I'm a crud. <laughs> I'm a I'm a chocolate guy. If I'm going to consume calories, I want them to be chocolate. So we'll see how that happens. Anyway, I'm Wayne Jacobson.
1: And I'm Kyle Rice.
0: Uh, Kyle or Kent? Uh, well, I'm
1: clean determined.
0: His clean shaven. Look, is quite uh, quite a sight. You may want to check the video, those of you that uh, don't normally check the video.
1: It is a different look. I've had a lot of fun messing with my students that have only known me with a beard and more of a little bit of a rugged look and so clean shaven with a fresh haircut and sometimes wearing glasses is not a look that they get ever and so it's,
0: well, it's, 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 been kind, fun. Of, it's kind of a baby face too right because, yes is it, it is so you actually yes. i'm thinking since you told me you're meeting with a sheriff before we talk i think you're probably going undercover for a drug buy at the college you're at or something like that <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be a college student tomorrow
1: instead of a professor. <laughs> Even with the beard, I still get mistaken as a college student. I had a bet. One of our administrators, they I hadn't met them yet, and they were their they were the financial administrator. And I walked in and they're like, okay, D, you're in the wrong office. You need financial aid. You need to go this way for students. And I was like, uh, nope, not a student. I'm I'm teaching here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that led well to an interesting boy. conversation. <laughs> I bet it does. Yeah, that's funny. Hey, uh, you got to play
0: Jesus last week. I what? You got to play Jesus. Okay. In a a play of the mind. You missed it, evidently. I did, I
1: guess.
0: We were coming out of Arkansas last Tuesday. We talked last Monday, and then Tuesday, Uh we were coming out of Arkansas, headed for Texas. And Sarah and I have been working while we're driving. We're talking about this book we're thinking, contemplating about encouraging people with trauma. So we're playing with that. We worked through four chapters, actually really hmm. fruitful morning of conversation and got kind of the first how to approach this thing. And then I just, uh, she asked you want to do another chapter? And I said, no, nah, no, nah, nah, let's put on some music and just enjoy that bit. And then so she had some pretty good Jesus music we put on and enjoyed that for a bit. And then old song. I don't even never heard of we shall behold him by Sandy Patty ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an old, old song, but it's that it a moment way. we go face to face and We were playing that and just knowing what the song was when it queued up Mm -hmm. and the intro music comes. I'm going, that will be a day. That will be a day. Mm -hmm. And my heart just longing for that. And then it was playing and I was immediately back in my garage that day that you had come out there and I was going to see Sarah for the first time in five weeks and I was going to behold her. And I was in the Mm -hmm. garage. She wanted you to come out first. I was already given permission that I could hug her. And man, I had seen her on video dropping dogs off. I had not physically been in her presence and she kissed me goodbye at the airport. And man, I was brought back to that moment of me beholding her. And then that all flipped too, because she needed you there because of the lies she was told by a well-intended perhaps therapist, but yeah. she needed you to make sure that I was safe. And so you go out and talk with her a bit and then I can come out and man, what a, what a moment when I could hug her again. And then that all flipped and I was, I was Sarah and God the Father was me in the garage and you were Jesus and how Jesus mm. makes it safe for us to realize that God's always been safe, but the lies yeah. about God and how shame has disfigured him and how religion has disfigured him, and it just, oh, my gosh, the, the I, I got to have the therapist as the uh, lying devil who lies to us about who God is, the serpent in the garden, right? <laughs> Kyle's Jesus making it safe, and the father's about to come out face-to-face with me. And that scenario just <laughs> deeply touched my heart. I still meet people who are unsure if God is safe or not, that really struggle with a relationship with God or the disappointment. Expectations that don't sort out the way they hoped. And man, it was so sweet. Just, I, it was like the happiest day ever from a year ago. I cried in the just the beauty of what God has done with Sarah and me, and the beauty of what that portends about the day when we finally get to go face to face with Jesus and his father. Though it's becoming less like, an imagined future, because of how Jesus and his Father interact with me already. It, it, the face to face will be awesome, but it, it's not the safety issue. it's not it's not that, not not with him. But I think in the earlier days of my relationship, Jesus is the bridge for us to know how safe the Father is. when even when he came on the planet, the people who knew the Bible best didn't think God was safe at all. They thought God, need to be angry and vengeful and wouldn't hang out with sinners and wouldn't do all the things Jesus was doing. So anyway, you got to play Jesus last week. I thought that was fun.
1: Oh, I, I don't even I mean, I'm sitting here with goosebumps at the moment. Not sure how uh, to respond to that. Like That's OK. Well, even as you describe that, I mean, I you started talking about it and I was immediately back at your home in Thousand Oaks standing there. Sure. Oh man, like, like, okay, all right, Wayne, are you trying to bring me to tears right now? Gee, like, seriously, like, you're gonna throw that at my direction in the middle of this podcast? And I can't, like,
0: and imagine how undone I was. The song just goes on, we shall behold him then face to face. And I am, I'm Mm. back in that moment. I am right there in the garage, just waiting for the cue to come out and hug what I have not hugged in so many weeks and even though there's get, no guarantee that that relationship is going to get on track nothing in fact there was the reservedness of uh not on promise anything i don't but yeah man i still that moment was precious to me it will be and i hadn't thought about that moment in a long time it all been overrun by everything else and boy to be there and to have a friend stand there to make it safe for my wife to be with me which is at once kind of humiliating that we need that on the other hand, without it, it wouldn't happened. She wouldn't have opened her life in that way again.
1: My mind cannot even come close to comprehending the level of anticipation you must have had standing in that garage waiting to walk out and see Sarah. Like yeah. I, I there there's nothing in even like there's been intense anticipation with well I say that. I say that, Wayne, and then I'm st- literally as I went to go say that, I'm standing in the NICU in Colorado over Eliana in a warmer in the midst of a, going through a cerebral scan to see if she's going to live.
0: Mm.
1: Praying, praying over her with all that I had with the joy and the anticipation of getting to meet my daughter for the first time so different snapshot taste of the <laughs> same reality
0: something we want mm-hmm. to behold and hold in our hands and our heart and you know I've had that anticipation every time I fly home uh from a trip I've been on I get to be with sarah mm-hmm. again I get to hold her and that was painful coming home and she wasn't there and she wasn't there ever ever again. Yeah. And then it wasn't just the (sighs) anticipation of the garage. I was anticipating all day long. I, I at least, if she's going to leave me now, I at least get to hug her and say goodbye and -hmm. let her know that I love and care about her. I at least get to do that. And then it turned out so much better than that. Yeah. That touched my heart. I mean, I cried just like that happiest day ever. I just, Mm -hmm. I just wept for so long. What a precious. And then God just flipped it all into that's what I felt in the garage is nothing to his anticipation of holding us, of Ugh. seeing us face to face, of being with us and that's not afraid of him.
1: Uh. Oh. hmm I honestly that that's an interesting segue for me. Because I I got into a really intriguing conversation with somebody about sacrifice and they launched into this idea about unhealthy sacrifice and, and the perception of the sacrifice that's required in order to follow Jesus. Like, okay, if I'm going to become a believer, if I'm going to say yes to you, if I'm going to step into this world and into this life, there's going to be intense sacrifice. And and they, it got into this really intriguing space where then we started dialoguing about the the difference between sacrifice and self-martyrdom. So then you get into you get into the Christian world for a while, you get into the institution for a little while, you spend some time there, and now all of a sudden you've got this honor badge of I'm gonna work myself to death, I'm for the sake of the cross, I'm gonna do all of these things, I'm going to I'm going to self-martyr myself for the sake of the kingdom, and yet I'm burning out, I'm destroying relationships, I am a wreck internally, I'm a wreck emotionally, mm-hmm. and yet is is that what it means like when the idea of sacrifice and how skewed how distorted this idea of sacrifice and especially about father because there's this there's the okay well you know father father allowed for this sin transaction transaction to happen allowed for Adam and Eve to fall and then his only solution was to impose the execution of his son as a means of of love um to re- rebuild the connection and man there is some there was some intense mistrust like some intense skewing of the father's heart of his image in regards to this idea of sacrifice I mean, I've got a lot more, but I want to give you some space that I well, gave you some background to it. But, I'm curious like,
0: how you all resolved it. You guys had the discussion. So where did you guys
1: land? We did. We I, So the conversation moved into this dialogue about, for example, when Saul is looking, he's standing outside the city. And an angel comes to him and says, "Hey, Saul, you don't have to go in there. Um, if you do, you know you're going to get flogged. It's not going to go well. You know, it, it could be a really, it could be a very, very bad experience. You know, and and Saul chooses to still you're go. About Paul, right? You or, said Saul. I was Saul. About King Saul.
0: I'm going. No, when did this not, happen with Saul? But I got you now. Paul. Okay. Paul. There you go.
1: Um, that help us? He was called Saul first. He but, was called uh, Saul, and then it was Paul. But to to make that choice to go into the city and that was my that was for me that was one of the pieces i was wrestling with and have wrestled with is like okay paul was given this choice and he still went he still went to be with these people even though he knew he was probably going to be arrested he knew he was probably going to be beaten he knew he was probably going to be imprisoned why, so why did he go and and was that was that because he was more spiritual and he was living more in the kingdom we launched into this space of of the cost and the freedom, the freedom to choose out of a loving heart one way or the other. That father creates these different invitations. And because I, I also don't want to dip into the well, the Christian life is fluffy. There's no sacrifice. There's no, you know, there's no suffering. There's no life challenges because that is complete bunk and bogus. Um, and so, you know, for me, it was like, the, that doesn't fit either. And so we were dialoguing, especially for me, I was talking about burnout as a counselor, as a therapist, and recognizing the cost that it was having on me personally, the cost that it was having on my family, the cost that it was having on my girls, and yet, the positive impact that it was having in the people's lives and the students that I was working with, and, and measuring that and weighing that and It wasn't that the work that I was doing with these college students or these high school students wasn't really good work and it wasn't that I didn't find a lot of enjoyment in it, but it came to the point where it's like no this is. This is having too much of a cost on my family and so i'm going to either go part time or i'm going to make some career changes so that I have more availability and more heart space for my girls and and yet the often the message that comes through the institution of christianity or the brand of christianity is no that was that was good work that's what the father had called you to and so you need to just keep in it keep sacrificing both yourself and your family for the sake of the greater good and for me i think it's i think there is sacrifice at times but i think it's more the weight of the cost or the impact that our choices are going to have as father presents different opportunities for us and and it's not in this self-martyrdom way of you know when i was a little kid i don't know if i want to say yes to jesus because if he does that i might wind up in a mud hut somewhere in north africa and hating my life because that's what god would do
0: you know it's, it's always africa right poor African people everybody <laughs> yeah. else in the world they are getting sent to africa they actually their home they like africa so.
1: well and the hilarious part is later on in my life in my early 20s i went and spent a year in morocco in north africa working with people and loved it they were incredible you people go. and i loved yeah. being there and so yeah. But that was the perception of Father's heart and of what sacrifice would be and what the quote-unquote cost or the the impact of saying yes to a, a God-authored adventure or a God-created life.
0: Yeah, I think the whole religious performance approach to God really does see sacrifice as important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So because that's the Old Testament sacrifices, God asked for those, but... I think the larger story, even in the Old Testament, is it's not our sacrifices that do things for God. It's ultimately His sacrifice for us. He wanted to be there. False gods were the angry deities that needed sacrifices and offerings to buy their favor, right? And God Hmm. is showing Abraham no, it's not your sacrifice. I will be your sacrifice. I'm going to flip this completely on its head. But, you know, so many years of the law and sacrifices and Even in the Old Testament, where Isaiah is saying, I don't want, or David says it first, and Isaiah talks about, you have these festivals and these sacrifices. I don't even show up anymore, and you don't even miss me. That's in the first part of Isaiah. So the whole idea that God needs our sacrifice to be part of his kingdom, I think it's set on its head in the New Testament. Because it's Mm -hmm. his sacrifice for us. Now, when Jesus talked about it, here's the scripture, when you when you interpret this one in a religious performance context, it will kill you, which is Jesus saying, you know, if you want to come after me, you've got to take up your cross daily, deny yourself yes. and follow me. And that's the big martyrdom thing. So whatever is misery to you, that that's how you determine God's will, whatever you hate the most. And I, and I think religious leaders, for one reason or another, it's probably not all theological. It's like when you're asking somebody to do something and they don't want to, or it's hard, then you can pull out the Matthew 16, deny yourself and take up your cross. You're not worthy to be a disciple of his. And And that gets turned on its head because just following Jesus in a world that's in hostility with the way God thinks and works, there will be ample cost to the joy of living in Jesus. But Even Jesus said, when the rich young ruler is like, you know, he's saying to him, you kept the law, and he said, I've kept it all. He said, oh, well, then you've really missed a point. You need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And it's like, "Uh, I can't do that. If Jesus would have gone on with that, he might have said something like Then stop doing all the other stupid things you think by my favor. Yeah, because it is impossible to keep the law. So he wasn't really keeping it. It's impossible selling everything you have and give it to the poor because then you are the poor and you'll need somebody else to sell everything they have to give it to you so you can live. So it it, it wasn't a real prescription. I think Jesus was trying to get Mm. him to the end of himself. And then the disciples going, oh, Mm. we left everything to follow you and Jesus. You haven't left anything, but what you haven't gotten a hundredfold more back in this life that. The, the really the understanding i think the way sacrifice works in the kingdom one it's moved from the religious performance do something miserable to honor god or god's work that that goes out the door yeah. now it's not it's not our sacrifice god wants it's our generosity as we mm. participate in his love we'll be generous with others and that generosity will cost us oh my gosh yeah. it will cost us great pain to walk in the darkness with someone you love and help them find their way into the light. And even going back to, to your story, it it was what God wanted you to do for a season this working. Yeah, the absolutely. Kids. And you were good at it, and there was grace for it. And then you've got young daughters, and the challenges of family are changes. So now the sacrifice is something different. God invites you to a different obedience, and there's cost there. And for people who just say, oh, no, that's where you started, that's where you stay. How many missionaries? from kids that are my age were sacrificed on the mission field by their parents because God called them to be this. So kids, these kids went to mission school where they were separated from their parents, molested and a number of them, all that's mm-hmm. coming to light these days. And they were so, well, it's just a sacrifice for doing what God wanted. And you look back and go, was it really, is that really what yeah. God had in mind? So it's, it's a great thing to talk about because The sacrificial mentality, oh, poor me, God's called me to this difficult obedience, really misses something. Because the people I see who are paying the greatest cost to follow Jesus in very dire places have more joy than most Christians who are avoiding all that. They're not doing it out of the idea that it earns something for me and God they're doing it out of the joy of God's working and yes there's a cost to it but the cost Mm -hmm. is swallowed up in the joy of being with him in it and that's so it's so when the disciples talk about yeah we've sacrificed everything who are you kidding my gosh you got so much better than you had and that's the pearl of great price when you sell Mm -hmm. everything that you have it's to get something that's far better than what you had. And that's how kingdom mentality works. Religious performances, religion is boring. Doing what you have to do to make it work is boring. It's costly. So yeah, we got to do it. I mean, we were in near Lindale, Texas a week ago and got, you know, went to see all these uh, holy sites from all the ministries Mm -hmm. that congregated there and facility. And I am so unimpressed with facility. I just am, these 500, 600 acre ranches, they converted for this mission thing and that, because I have friends that felt like they were abused under some of those ministries. And when they tell you the stories, they were abused. They became near cultic with a charismatic leader who was ordering what people's lives should do. And if they, and particularly on the sacrifice thing, if you don't, if you're, if your God hasn't called you to stay in America, you have to go overseas. And, and, and now we're not encouraging people to follow Jesus. We're encouraging people to do what makes the ministry successful. Yeah. And back in the day, people, uh, for whatever reason, didn't see that very clearly their, their passion and their ability to manipulate people to give of their all for something that wasn't growing out of a relationship. It was very lonely, desperate people trying to earn their place in God by doing the greatest sacrificial thing that someone else would tell them to do. And then 10 years later, you come out of that thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do? What did I do with those 10 years? Someone else told me to do it. God didn't tell me to do it. I've sacrificed education, future all these other things i could have been involved in but wasn't because i was and even when they're out there thinking this doesn't feel right doesn't matter you owe this to god and i think that kind of sacrifice is not what god has in mind the matthew 16 is when you follow me like just following with what sarah and i've been through in the last year and mm-hmm. a half it's it's been costly in ways most people will never know it has been more joyful than i could ever convey to people it has been more filled with laughter and light and having Sarah back in my life. Does that make sense?
1: It does. I, I bumped into a really interesting conversation with a student earlier this week about the differences in generation. This student is a non-traditional student, comes from probably more of my parents' generation or even, yeah, about my parents' generation. Mm -hmm. And there was, they were discussing some trauma stuff that they had gone through. And basically the, where they had landed is you didn't talk about that. That was family business. You just dealt with it. Here's a a spouse that was enduring some incredible violence in a relationship that had them repeatedly in a, you know, in a hospitalized situation, et cetera. And yet Other people were aware of it. Other family members were aware of it, but you just dealt with it. That's, you know, that's what you do. You sort it out. You figure this out and you go, you mend the relationship and you move on. And that was the generational perspective of the people that I was learning what it meant to follow Christ from. I see, you know, your generation, my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation having an incredible amount of resiliency where, yes, they, they, their opinion of mental health their opinion of self care their opinion of of all the of some of the more moving towards wholehearted things conversations was not nearly as open it was not nearly as socially accepted and yet there was a fairly high level of resiliency and endurance and fortitude in a lot of these people's lives and yet on the flip side in the younger generations not nearly as much resiliency there's a complete disconnect from the from the well there's a significantly growing disconnect from the stigmatism of mental health counseling asking for help etc and yet there's a, a pretty significant loss of resiliency, endurance, fortitude, strength when it comes to navigating life and life experiences. And and I think about that even in our faith. And thinking about that in regards to the relationship that we have with Father, the way that we connect with him, the way that we we walk with him, and this idea of sacrifice, this idea of of cost, you know, like when I was having this conversation with this individual, my thought went back to you and Sarah and just the relationship that you guys have been navigating over the last couple of years. And, and my thought was, okay, I absolutely love their story. It's beautiful. It's miraculous. It is mind blowing to me, but Wayne had a choice either way. And Sarah had a choice either way on whether to move back towards the relationship or not move back towards the relationship And would have father been as actively involved in either choice by either of you, as he would have been in the choice that the two of you made right now, in in context to that conversation about sacrifice or self martyrdom, because I know people who have stayed in incredibly abusive relationships, because they that's what you do. And I I made my vows. And that's what I, and I've really gone back and forth with that. Like, is that? Is that what Father's inviting you into? Do you have grace for that? Is that like, or, or is that just some distorted, skewed thinking that's causing incredible pain and disruption in a lot of people's lives? I'm still wrestling with it. I, I don't know. I, and I don't think I can determine that for myself. I think only that person truly knows where their heart is in that. But
0: it's finding our way into what God's leading us to do always to go back to find a principle that I can know the difference between that or that is never going to work because you can correct you can structure anything any way you want if you want to condemn somebody for what they're doing you can interpret that they're not sacrificing themselves on the other hand you can watch people sacrifice themselves to the point where they're becoming less human and less navigating the dark spaces with grace and I think a lot of the self-sacrifice I was taught growing up, particularly the sacrifice to earn relationship is kind of Mm. self-serving. So it's, we call it sacrifice, but I've got an agenda. I'm doing this for God. I'm giving him this. I mean, I was in services where they were to build a new building, man. They would sell the stories of women giving their wedding rings to to be sold, to help the, you know, the sacrifice. But all that self-serving because I'm trying to get something out of that from God by buying something from him. And that, to me, that's the old sacrificial system was always about manipulating God to get what we wanted. So it, the word sacrifice is being used, but it's incredibly self-serving. The real sacrifice is not self-serving. It's really just when you take up your cross daily, Jesus is talking about actually going to the cross. That's what God had called him to and what Peter was trying to protect him from. And that's when he says, take up your cross daily. What does that mean? Do the worst thing you can do today for Jesus. No, it just means as I follow today, and there's risk in the following, and there's hurt in the following, and there's uncertainty about outcome in the following, that I will follow anyway, because I'm not worried about, me, I've, I've I've got enough trust that God's going to take care of me, that I can lay down my life when I'm asked, as a part of growth. But and if we don't, if we're always protect, you know, if that that was part of him saying, you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you'll find it. That's all part of me trying to save my life. That's, I'm I'm not going to find life if I'm always trying to save me. But if I'm learning to live inside the revelation of God's heart for me, then I am going to learn what. Laying down my life means, but it's going to be at his request, not at my principled conclusion about what I should do in the name of god that's that's the stuff that I think leads to the wrong kind of sacrifice, and it's more self serving mm-hmm. and when yourself's not in the way and you're learning, okay, what's God asking of me, and inside that love, what do I want i mean what i yeah. what I sacrificed to have Sarah back in my life was never. A hard choice to make. I go, God's called me to this, so I've got to love her no matter what she does. It it was never that. It was, I love her. I want her back in my life. I'm going to see how God unfolds this, and whatever it costs me, is worth the fruit of it, which is more the pearl of great price idea. There's there's something so beautiful here that I want to find my way into. But if I'm not willing to sacrifice to get the precious then I'm going to lose the precious thing that God wants to bring in my life. Him, most of all, and then whatever gifts he wants to bring to us. So I think that false gods, the false idols, the idea of sacrifice in an Old Testament sense of currying God's favor, when God dispels that with his own sacrifice. Now, it really isn't us. He, he never did want our sacrifices. He gave yeah. them sacrifices so he could win them out of it. That's how we covered it in the Jesus lens. Because I really really think the sacrifices God gave them protected them from the killing our children for God that every other society around them in Canaan was doing. So it's kind of, I'm going to move you slowly out of this false sense you have of how God is and his disposition towards you. Yeah. But I, I know even someone this weekend that we referred to earlier was, you know, God hates sin and God's violent about it and God's vengeful. And I'm going, okay, that's not the God I know. Sin definitely is missing the mark of God's goodness for us. It is that, but yeah. it doesn't mean, so I'm not redefining sin. I'm just saying maybe God looks at sin very differently than we have looked at it from that religious performance, Old Testament kind of mentality.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of it is the having the space and the curiosity and the humility to allow our perspective and our vision of of the way Father sees things be changed and molded and expanded over time as we continue to walk with him in that when we were talking about this idea of sacrifice and and working through that you know for me it was very much like the the self-martyrdom thing that was especially early on as a fauner that was man i i excelled at that that was man that, that was right in my wheelhouse and yet it was borderline prostitution right because it was it was i'm going to do these things i'm going to do these favors with with the intent of getting a reward whether it was a human reward or whether it was a a reward from my spiritual father i'm going to do these things but it's going to be for the sake of a reward that i'm gaining versus i'm living loved I already am living in the identity of completely beloved, completely accepted by Father, and now I'm walking out with the people in the community around me that he's given me to love and, and asking, what does that look like?
0: And you can you can see that best, I think, when you have that prayer thing of, after all I've done for you, God, you think you could have done, and there's that anger and frustration that God has not met the expectation I had for the service I gave. Now I know the service was mine. And I used to say that a lot yeah. to God. I was in ministry when I'd rather been an air traffic controller. I mean, there's things that was going on in my life that I just was like, God, I'm doing all this for you. And then... We're sitting in the hospital with Zoe on Saturday morning, and I'm thinking, this is the time when the old Wayne would have been, God, we're out here Mm. doing this stuff for you. Couldn't you have watched over our puppy? Couldn't you have done this? And the thought never occurred to me other than the thought wasn't occurring to me. Even when I was thinking Mm. about, man, the old one would be, in. as I was praying for Zoe and praying for Sarah and praying for us there, I'm going, this is so different from where I would have been 30 years ago, Mm. which is kind of that angst of uh, we're out here doing this stuff being with people you could at least watch my dogs and make sure this happened at home where we had more access to care or whatever and then Sarah said the doctor she was with was far better than her doctor at home she was you know glad we're here but says I don't think God times those things anymore I don't think God chose for this to happen as always it's just part of life and so you don't sit there and, and ask all those why questions. But I think a pretty good sign that we're doing all of our sacrifice for God is the frustration we have when we don't get the dividend we were expecting from him. Hey, before we go, can I rec- read yeah. a couple of things to you? These are things people have sent me from journals. And one is from a friend of mine went to college with and who died okay. recently, ALS. And a sister is going through his journal and sends me this little piece from his journal. Some people are good obeyers. Others struggle. Some are raised in abusive homes. Others are raised in loving homes. Some people have genes susceptible to alcoholism, disease, and disabilities and the like. Some lives live in perfect health with no issues at all. And yet the Lord saves us all perfectly in a way that makes us equal before the Father. This is the line. Grace saves the worst of us. The law condemns the best of us. Hmm. I love that. And then it Hmm. finishes... The only way to stop grace from functioning in your life is to try to being deserving of it in your own mind, which it's what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes. The only way to stop grace from functioning. I think this is really true. When I start to try and earn it, when I start to try and make up for it, then it's no longer grace. It's a transaction. And I'm trying yeah. to make it up to God. This is from a lady named Sam, a young mom who's been through some really deep pain in her life. Anyway, she wrote this out of her journal. The message of the gospel is not for God so begrudgingly loved the world that he sent his only son to murder himself so he could stand with us. (laughs) No, no. It is. You are special to God. He sees you. He delights in you. He is out of his mind in love with you that he came here to make a way to be with you. To be with you in whatever you're in, in whatever sin you're in, in whatever shame you bear, in whatever demons you walk in, in whatever. He loves you like a madman. He must have you. He must. He will stop at nothing. He loves your smile, your eyes, your limp, your crooked tooth, your blemishes, your contortions, physically, spiritually, psychologically, and emotionally. He contorts his own body to match yours so that mercy of mercies, he can hold you, see you, embrace you. What love is this? That a perfect being would humble himself to meet up and match up with a monster. What love is this? And the answer is a life lived in sacrifice, whatever comes, whatever troubles befall us, whatever misery or heartbreak or gift or blessing, only to be near him, to respond to love with love through love, love at the beginning, love at the end, love as the middle, love is all there is. The very fabric of reality is made up of love, pure, unadulterated, unashamed, wild love. Hmm. Now that made Hmm. me cry. That. Man, to think of where I started this journey in a more performing to a vengeful deity and trying to curry his favor to reading something like that and going, I love every word of that. To be with us in our trials. I spoke to someone on the phone a few minutes ago about the doubts of having the life. And just I know I shouldn't be doubting at this time. Like, I just invite God into the doubts. That's how you learn where I'm not trusting is because of your doubts. But I grew up in that environment where doubts are, you know, prove you don't have faith and prove you don't really trust God and prove you're a worthless son of a gun. So it's not that we don't have doubts in that environment; it's that you learn to hide them and pretend you don't. Mm. And interesting about both of these, talked about sacrifice, but a Mm. sacrifice inside of love is very different than a sacrifice to try to be worthy of that love or worthy of that grace. Yeah, I was touched by both of those. I think those are. Mm. Some wonderful reflection. God loves you. Stop at night. He loves your smile, your eyes, your limp, your crooked tooth, your blemishes. (laughs) I just go, Wow. Did we get the wrong idea about God? Right? Because you can only bring him the best lamb you had without spot or wrinkle or blemish. And you know that God only loves the pretty people and they're blessed. And that's why they get all the good stuff. And the people that didn't get those genes are somehow out of God's favor. And I just think God as jesus said what is highly valued among men is detestable in the eyes of god so the things we value and see god's blessing in god god doesn't have the same value system we do at all
1: i'm thinking about that and and even thomas's interaction after jesus is crucified and he's in the room with his friends and he's talking about it and he's like no like i I I don't know if I can believe this. I don't know if I can get in, on board with this until I put my hands in his scars, right? And to have Jesus show up and, and show and say, here are my scars, Thomas. Like, here are my wounds. Here are my blemishes. Here are the things that, you know, here's my pains that I've gone through. And I'm going to share with the, those with you as you are, as your faith is made whole in relationship with me. He is wild. He is absolutely and, wild. <laughs> and we make fun of that as doubting
0: Thomas. Yeah. And yet what he's saying is, this story is so fantastic. Until yeah. I experience it personally, I can't believe it. Yeah. And Jesus lauds that. that that's not a problem for Jesus. Oh, you no. stupid fool. Couldn't you believe your brothers? Well, now I'm not going to do anything... For someone to say, I need to experience the reality of God, and I, I meet a lot of people who say, I've never experienced God's love, and I'm mm-hmm. going to say in the same breath I'm saying this, one, for you to experience it is a godly hunger. Don't ever let go of it, mm-hmm. but lose the expectation that it's going to look a certain way when it comes, because that will keep you from seeing the love God's already making known to you, because yeah. I've got this little thing over here that says it's got to look like that. But the experience of it, to doubt until you see, to even say to God, God, I don't know until you show me. Would you show me? And God honors that, not not mocks it, honors it, because he does want to personally engage us. And there's no God journey without it. There's nothing, even even talking about sacrifice, you can't do this without Jesus' leading. If you're just doing it on your best intelligence Or your best intellect, you are gonna mess this up a thousand ways to Sunday. But if you can get out of the way of yourself and let grace do its work in you, then yo, you will sacrifice. But it won't be out of trying to earn anything. It'll be out of the joy of what he's doing in your heart, how you make it available to others. Thank you for traveling with us today on The God Journey. You can join this conversation by visiting thegodjourney.com.